It's been said that America is a post-Christian nation now, but the world will never be post-Christian because Jesus has already come, has died, has been raised from the dead, and all authority in heaven and earth is given to him, and it will never be taken away. Therefore, the world is Christian and will not go back. Christ is king. Nevertheless, people lose their faith. People grow in their faith. We've been at a point in America where faith in Jesus has been on the decline, but there is revival in the air. And I believe today, these five things that I'm going to share with you are old habits that if we pick them up again, we will experience revival in our personal lives and it will expand out to the world around us. Welcome back to the Faith of the Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Carl Gessler, here to reignite the faith of the fathers. Jeremiah 6.16 says, This is what the Lord says. Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find a resting place for your souls. We live in a time where young people particularly are looking for a resting place for their souls. The home has been desolated and people are without family they're seeking a place of rest. So there's a, this is a time for the gospel to be preached. It's a time for us to be bold. Um, and it's a time for us to reach out because Jesus is still saving lives and people are hungry for the gospel. There are things that Americans used to do. America is a nation with a strong Christian heritage. And I believe those uh, roots can be awakened more readily than they can in nations where uh, Christianity has not had the same kind of roots as it does here in America. America's history is full of ups and downs, good and bad, but we have a strong Christian heritage and a strong history of revival, and I believe we're living in a time where the rivers of revival are springing to the surface again, and that's a great thing. And I wanted to share with you today some things that are old habits uh, that used to be practiced a lot in America, and I think we need to recover them. And if we do, we will see personal revival uh, as well as helping the, the community, the culture around us. Ecclesiastes 7.18 says, It's good for you to grasp one thing while not letting go of the other, for the one who fears God comes out with both of them. There are many things that the Christian church used to do, but we've given them up because we're afraid of being labeled legalistic or religious. Yet there is a wisdom to holding on to a good discipline and not doing it with a religious spirit. That is the essence of this this verse from Ecclesiastes. It's good to grasp one thing while let, not letting go of the other. I think in the name of letting go, or in the name of grasping that we are not supposed to be um, legalistic or bound by um, the fear and trappings of religion, we have let go of some habits that we desperately need to get back. Uh, so wisdom would teach us to surrender the religious spirit, but still practice the disciplines, uh, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines done for the wrong reason end up being part of a religious spirit. So um, when we do, when we do uh, religious things like reading our Bible, quiet times, going to church, we don't know why we do it. That is doing it for religious purposes. We're doing it maybe to please somebody or to do, uh, or because we think it's earning favor with God. Uh, those are not the right things, reasons to do it. Although if you do it, you will still be more blessed than the person 
who does not. You'll be in a better position as far as knowing who God is. Uh, Because if you're around the Word of God and the people of God long enough, the Spirit of God is going to penetrate your soul. But um, if you're doing it to try to please men, it's going to be a burden. Um, And that is not the right reason to do it. In The Fiddler on, on the Roof, many times the, um, the it's a story of Jewish people in exile or in, um, in Russia uh, under being ruled over by Gentiles. And it's a, the struggle of, of their culture surviving. And whenever the children want to know why do we do things the way we do, the answer always comes back, tradition. And that has oftentimes been the case in the church, where kids ask their parents, why do we do this? Uh, Why do we do that? And the answer comes back, it's just what we do, or don't ask questions like that. That's what produces rebellion, and that's what produces post-Christian cultures, post-Christian eras. But when we know why we do it again, when when we know why we're doing it, we're in revival. And so I want to give you reasons for doing these five disciplines. And number one is pray before meals. Growing up, I often heard you know people talk about, well, we didn't pray except maybe before meals, and dear God, thank you for this dinner. And that's it. I grew up in a very informal home, um, very devout home, but we did not pray before meals as a habit. We did once in a while, uh, but I've learned through doing deliverance ministry uh, the importance of praying before meals, um, particularly with the rise of witchcraft, because food can be cursed. Food can actually have Uh, curses on it that um, you can take into yourself. So it's important that we sanctify our food to God um, before we eat it. And this may sound ridiculous to some people, but you will hear soon on the podcast a testimony that we just recorded of a woman who had was given a piece of candy by someone who was a Satanist. And she knew that there was a spiritual power in her mouth when she put it in her mouth. And so she spit it out. I also have a friend in Africa who Um, is a Christian, but he's a former Muslim, and he and several other Christian pastors were having a retreat, and they hired a cook to cook for them during the retreat. The the cook was a Muslim. And at the end of the week, the Muslim gave his life to Jesus, and he told the, the Christian pastors there why. He had been filling their food with rat poison all week, trying to kill them. That was his goal, to kill them. And they weren't getting sick, and they weren't dying, and he kept adding more, and it should have killed them, uh, but it, nobody even got sick. Jesus' power to protect his people brought him to faith in Jesus. That is why we want to sanctify our food to God, besides the fact that Americans need to remember, we need to remember, I'm speaking to myself here, that to be grateful for food. I have another African friend, a brother, who says that in their country, um, in Kenya, if they find bread on the ground, they pick it up and put it on a ledge out of respect, like because bread is so precious, they would never want it to be stomped in the dirt. And they'll even, you know, someone will still eat it because it's that precious. And Americans just take it for granted. We, um, we, we function in a very gluttonous way uh, where we um, waste many, we waste food and we're very ungrateful for things. So gratefulness changes our heart. Um, praying before meals, we're acknowledging uh, the gift that God has given to us, the precious gift in food. We're also sanctifying our food so that what we receive into our bodies is something that comes from God without the taint of any kind of curse. But we do live in a world where witchcraft is on the rise and 
the church is targeted by those who practice dark practices like witchcraft and the occult. So number two is memorizing scripture. There was a time in America where Christians and non-Christians alike knew large portions of the scripture. Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That, that whole psalm was known by people throughout this country, whether they were Christians or not. In some ways, it was easier to do evangelism because everybody had an awareness of the scriptures. It was actually taught in schools. Public schools were originally started in, with the argument being, uh, or the benefit being presented to the American people that everybody will be able to read the Bible. That was one of the main motivations for starting schools. And having that, the Word of God, richly as part of our culture um, is part of what made us good soil for revivals. And we need to sow the Word of God again into the world, starting with ourselves. We need to hide God's Word in our heart, as it says in Psalm 119.11, I have treasured your Word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. If you're struggling with sin today, begin to hide God's Word in your heart. You're going to get revelation. You're going to get the deliverance that you need to walk in holiness. And then we need to um, you know, revive our, our family devotionals. We need to hide God's Word in the hearts of our children. We need to make reading the Bible part of our everyday life, part of our children's education. Again, this is not legalistic. This is practical. God's Word never returns void. We need to sow God's Word again into our children and our culture, and it will bear the fruit of revival. Number three is, well, I'm calling it closed on Sunday, open on Wednesday. I'm not saying this, we need to practice this in a religious way. I did not grow up going to church on Sunday morning. I grew up um, having a family devotional on Sunday morning. For some seasons, we went to a church on Sunday evening, um, and another season we went to, we regularly, faithfully went to um, another Baptist church on Wednesday nights. We had Tuesday night Bible study, which really functioned a lot like our church. And my point in saying all this is that my faith grew, and I, my faith, a genuine faith grew in that, with that formula, in that atmosphere. You can have church any day of the week. You can have church multiple days of the week, but um, as a culture, we used to not play sports on Sunday. Our businesses were not open on Sunday. This was not simply religious uh, stuff, uh, stuffiness. It actually is a benefit. Um, and I'm not saying we need to observe this because if we don't, God won't love us or any kind of nonsense like that. This is healthy. Uh, it's a healthy practice, and it's part of acting in faith in the same way that we give God the first fruits we tithe, uh, we give 10% of what um, we make, the income we give. We, you know, the, the scriptural principle there is that you give the first fruits, you give your best. And Sunday is actually the first day of the week, um, as some people who are more legalistic will uh, be arguing about, no, Saturday is a real Sabbath. This isn't about observing um, the right day. This is about having the right um, principle, the right faith that we're, we're sacrificing, we're worshiping God by giving him the first of our time. We're saying, I believe God will provide for me. I believe God is worth investing in. I believe his people are worth investing in. And so this tradition of having uh, businesses closed on Sunday, not playing sports on Sunday so that people could go worship God and have fellowship and hear the word of God taught and preached is a very valuable um, tradition. 
It's a very valuable practice. It's a very valuable discipline. And as we have moved away from it, our church has become more and more post-Christian. I remember when I was 12 years old and I played baseball in our city league, I remember when they began to put uh, they began to have tournaments on the weekend, um, and they began to start having games on Wednesdays, where before they always kept these uh, these days cleared so people could go to church. And they promised, oh, this is just a one-time thing. It's not going to be like this forever. And as these things always go, it did not remain that way. We continue down that slippery slope where we put sports and other things before God. And uh, you can worship God any day of the week. You can play sport on Sunday, um, and then you can go to church on Tuesday. And that certainly works. There's not like uh, there's no um, there's nothing holy about Sunday or Saturday any more than any other day of the week. As the Apostle Paul said, one person um, uh, reverences one day and one another. But the point is that we need to put God first in our time. We need to make God a priority. We need to make seeking God a priority, having fellowship with his people a priority. And I think we need to do it more often than once a week. It used to be that in the Bible Belt where I live, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening, and there may have been um, events in between. And we need that kind of fellowship Uh, God is also worthy of that kind of worship. He's also that exciting. We would see more people coming to Christ if we were putting more effort into um, our meetings. And of course, not having meetings just for the sake of having meetings, but having meetings that are effective for discipleship, for preaching the gospel, for setting the captives free. That is good news. It's the best news that Jesus has come to set the captives free and to bind up the brokenhearted. If we are not excited about the idea of seeing the captive set free, then we need to be set free in some area of our life. If your heart is cold, uh, then you need to be set free. In um, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says that day by day, the Lord was adding to their number those who are being saved. If that does not excite your heart, if you don't have something in you jumping saying, I want to live in a time when God is adding day by day to our number, those who are being saved, then you need to be delivered. There is a coldness in your heart that is not your inheritance. You are, your inheritance is the fire of the Holy Spirit. It should be burning in you, a river of living water bubbling up and flowing over. And if you do not have that kind of passion for the lost, if you do not have that kind of passion to worship God, that it's something you want to do, something you seek out, then you need to be set free because the river of living water is your inheritance, and it should be your normal and my normal. Um, there's a story of Eric Little, who was a um, a missionary, but he was also an incredibly fast runner. He was representing um, America in the uh, Olympics. I forget the time period. Uh, this was quite a while back. Uh, but he would not race on Sunday, and he got ridiculed for that. I think he didn't know that the race, or that maybe they changed the race he was going to be in to Sunday, and he simply said, I cannot do that. He was placed under a lot of pressure and ridicule to race on Sunday. He wouldn't do it. He put God first. By the grace of God, he ended up being placed in another race, which was not his specialty, but he still ended up winning, and it was a great testimony. Um, then he went, uh, continued to be a missionary in China, uh, and his story is very inspiring because of his faithfulness. He loves sports. There's nothing wrong with that. I love sports, but he put God first, and God honored that. Number four is to put away alcohol. 
I am not a teetotaler by conviction. Like the Bible does not say it's wrong to drink wine. Obviously, Jesus turned water into wine. My father um, would drink uh, a beer with pizza every now and then. My dad was never drunk uh, my entire life. I've never seen, I never saw him drunk one time. Uh, so he knew how to enjoy uh, an alcohol, alcoholic beverage without going overboard. Um, and so, and I've had alcohol myself. Uh, every now and then, I have a little wine. I haven't actually in, in quite a long time. Uh, and it's very little because I have very little tolerance. It's not, I, I've come to this place where I think the church needs to emphasize separating ourselves from that, abstaining from that, um, not in a religious way, like if somebody drinks wine, uh, we're gonna, you know, we don't need to condemn them to hell because they aren't condemned to hell. But we live in a time right now where people are hungry for fellowship, they're hungry for community, they're hungry for peace, for rest, for comfort, and alcohol is a very popular counterfeit comfort here in Western North Carolina, where I live in this what was a small little town of Hendersonville, is now just covered in breweries, which are absolutely slammed every weekend because that's where people are going for fellowship. That's where they go to talk about real life, to to uh, establish friendships, things that the church should be providing. It should be the place where, um, you know, if, if more churches were willing to do deliverance ministry and talk about the things that need to be talked about to do deliverance ministry, like the abuse, the hurt, the pain, the bitterness— um, if we are willing to talk about those things, people will start coming to the church. But as it is, many people in the church are going to the pubs to try to find comfort, friendship, and fellowship instead of the churches. And I think that this is um, to our loss. There are many people that have more faith in the comfort of beer than in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so I think we need to learn to recognize the stronghold that alcohol has uh, become here in our nation, and I need. I think we need to begin to move away from that to discourage our people from uh, partaking in that. You know, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not, uh, you know, just don't be don't drink wine because religious people don't drink wine. It's don't be drink drunk with wine, as Paul says. The Apostle Paul says because uh, being drunk is wasted living, and even I believe going to. Uh, pubs for your fellowship is wasted living because you're not going your faith is not going to grow there the truth isn't found in the pub the truth is found in the church in the word of god in the presence of god and we need to learn to be sowing into the presence of god and reaping our harvest from there so yeah alcohol is not technically a sin and i will not condemn you for drinking it as if it's a sin but i will discourage you from um embracing that too too strongly, and I think it's better, safer, just to let it go altogether. We don't need it. If we put that away, um, as Vlad Savchuk says, that when alcohol consumption increase, the, increases, the prayer life decreases. So let's increase the prayer life, and I think we will find less of a desire, less of a need, less of a hunger for the alcohol, because we're going to be drawing from the well of living water, which is Jesus. And fifth, this is, I'm going to sound like a real fuddy-duddy here, but I think we need to return to boycotting theaters and ungodly music. And I don't mean that, again, in a religious way. I go to theaters every now and then, um, but actually, almost always, it is for a Christian movie. I think the movie theaters are full of 
licentiousness. It's full of the flesh. It's full of distraction. I think it saps the life, uh, the spiritual life of many Christians. It opens the doors for um, for pornography. It opens the doors for lust. It opens the doors for addiction to entertainment. It opens the doors for rage and horror um, and vengeance and pride. Uh, the movie theater promotes all sorts of um, evil. It releases into the atmosphere um, all sorts of uh, spirits that are against God, envy, jealousy, uh, you know, pride, these things that I've mentioned. We recently watched a movie that um, definitely pushed my limits as far as like what I allow in my home. Um, it was, uh, I had seen it before, but it was not as I remembered. It was more intense as I remembered. And I work hard in with my wife in cultivating um, a culture within our house that produces peace and security that where people feel loved, uh, listened to, safe. And I just realized that the spirit that entered our room, uh, entered our living room after watching this movie, was one of um, sensuality, uh, fear, horror, things that I don't want in my house. And immediately after it was over, I put on um, a, a Christian um, video for my younger kids because I felt like I had allowed them to be traumatized um, somewhat by allowing this movie into my house. Again, I know I sound like an old, um, you know, an old fuddy-duddy for that kind of for that kind of practice, or even talking this way. But I do believe if you clear out of your movies all the junk, um, all the gray area, if you clear out of your music all of the gray, and just say, I just want the pure, I want pure goodness. I want what comes from the presence of God. I want my life to be filled with that you will see revival. Since I was 18 years old, I made a decision that I'm only going to listen to Christian music, and I'm only going to listen to, for the most part, worship music. And that doesn't mean that every now and then I don't hear a song that, um, you know, that I listen to a song that isn't exactly uh, Christian, it, but it means what I consume as a regular diet is worship. And sometimes people... Uh, they seem to be amazed that I can, as I lead worship, I know a gazillion songs, uh, worship songs from all different uh, generations and styles, um, and I have many of them memorized. And that is because I made it a regular diet to consume um, this kind of music. And it's actually awesome music. There's so many different styles. People say, um, I don't listen to Christian music because it's just not as good. That's garbage. It's the spirit that you're attached to, not the style. Uh, the the every all music comes with a spirit attached to it, either a rebellious spirit, a licentious spirit, a worshipful spirit, a prayerful spirit, a humble spirit, a gentle spirit. All of these things come through music. And what we choose to consume, what we choose to let in, is also what is going to come out. So when I lead worship, these songs come out of me very naturally because they have been poured into me now for well over 20 years. And I have no regrets to that. I only wish more people would do that. It doesn't make me better than anybody. God doesn't love me more because I listen only to worship music. But I am more equipped. I am more prepared to serve him because of that. I'm also, I believe, in a stronger position when persecution comes because I have filled my heart and my head with the presence of God, with the truth of God, not only in worship music, but also in memorizing scripture, which is another reason why we need to hide God's word in our hearts. So I am an old soul, but I believe that it's time to recapture 
the old soul practices of previous generations, which produced more righteousness, peace, and joy in our society than we know now. It's time to reopen the wells. It's time to return to the ancient paths where the good way is and to walk in it, as the prophet Jeremiah said. So I want to pray for you now, for those of you who are Maybe you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with a habitual sin, you're struggling with feeling far from God. First, I want to urge you to start to practice these things. Put away the alcohol, uh, put away you know, um, these counterfeit comforts, the pot, um, television, uh, you know, just shut it off. Just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break from these things, and I want to fill my heart, my head with the truth of God. And at first, you may be repulsed by it. Uh, Reading the Bible may seem boring to you. The music may seem boring to you. Do it anyway. I dare you to do it anyway. It will change your life. If you will shut down these other influences for a week and replace it with worship music, replace it with the Word of God, replace it, replace going to the pub with having fellowship with Christian believers, your life will be changed. It It can't be otherwise. So uh, you will experience revival if you do that. So Lord, I just pray for every person listening that your heart uh, would would bless them, that your spirit would convict them, that the truth of, uh, of Jesus would wash over them, that you would fill them with joy, that they would uh, walk in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that their homes would be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Lord, I pray their children would know that mommy and daddy love Jesus. I pray their children would know that it's safe in their home, that their children would know the comfort of God's word, the comfort of Psalm 23, the good shepherd. Lord, help us to memorize. Help us to consume your word. Help us to repent, to turn away from the counterfeit comforts that we have looked to, the entertainment and the food uh, and and the things we smoke and the things we drink that haven't satisfied us. They've only given us temporary relief. Lord, we want the full relief. We want the real relief. Set us free in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would release a river of the Holy Spirit and send revival to our land today in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, God bless you guys. If this video has blessed you in some way, leave a comment, like, subscribe, share it with a friend, and I will see you again soon. God bless.